Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Classic Vinyl Podcast. I'm your host, Justin. I'm here with my co-host, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty dang good. I'm really excited about this week's episode. Ready to tackle this one, huh? I am so ready for cream. Me too. Kind of an interesting album, funny enough. Yeah. It's uh, widely known as their best album, but uh, we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. A very psychedelic album. I guess that's one way to put it, right? I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, let's go straight into it. uh, I'm going to give you a little history on the band as I know it, or as I have researched it. So Cream, they're an English or British rock band that were formed in 1966, and they're kindly widely considered the first supergroup in history. And depends on what you you know want to categorize a supergroup as, but generally a supergroup is formed of musicians that have kind of already made it in previous groups. And that and that's kind of what this group is, you know. It was formed of Jack Bruce, who was bass player and the vocals, Eric Clapton, guitar player and vocals, and Ginger Baker, drums and some vocals. So uh, also known as one of the first power trios, right, when it comes to heavy rock. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Eric Clapton, he had been in the Yardbirds, John Mayle and the Blues Breakers, and a number of other bands. Ginger Baker had been in the Graham Bond organization. And, of course, organization is with an S instead of a Z because Ah. we're talking British here, right? Yeah, of course. Jack Bruce had also been in the Grand Bond organization with Ginger Baker, and we'll get to that in a minute, but he had been in John Mayle and the Blues Breakers briefly with Eric Clapton, and he was in a group called Powerhouse with uh, Steve, uh, Steve Winwood and Paul Jones. And kind of the funny thing is, is when Eric Clapton got with Ginger Baker to form this group, Ginger was blown away when Eric wanted to have Jack Bruce in the group. I'm blown away that a guy is named Ginger. Well, yeah, okay. it's a good name. That uh, that kind of shocked me because I mean <laughs> I think of Ginger like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah, you you think yeah, of the movie star. Yeah, yeah, you think of a woman definitely. Mm-hmm. But he's an excellent drummer. There's no doubt about and it. And a pretty good singer too. I like the song on this album. So sense. Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce, when they were in the Graham Bond organization, they did not not get along at all. They did not like each other at all. They had a lot of fights. Uh, mm-hmm. Some come down to some fisticuffs. Uh, they'd mess with each other's instruments and tunings and things like that. They did not like each other. So this was when Eric Clapton suggested Jack Bruce, uh, you know, to be in this band. I, I don't think Ginger really. It went over like a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But I, I will say this group, in my opinion, isn't much without Jack Bruce. You know, I really like Jack Bruce's vocals. He, he sounds s- similar to uh, Eric Clapton, but I think he's got a much richer voice. In, they, they have a, they sound similar in style, but I really I preferred uh, Jack's voice over Eric Clapton's. Well, and that was something I was going to get to when we got to the album. But mm-hmm. you know, my feeling on it too is Jack Bruce is highly underrated as a singer and far superior as a singer to Eric Clapton. That's my opinion. Now, they named the group Cream because they thought of themselves as the cream cream of the crop. crop. Yeah, these guys were at the top of their game. Yeah, they were. And, and, you know, Cream being, you know, the first super group or whatever you want Mm. to call them, power trio, you know, they were only together three years, but they released four albums. Uh, Fresh Cream, Disraeli Gears, the one we're reviewing tonight, Mm -hmm. Wheels of Fire, and Goodbye. And they also re- uh, released 10 singles in that time. 
you know, they put out mm-hmm. quite a bit of music. You, I mean, most groups yeah. that are together three years, you know, you're getting one album out of them now, you know. It was a lot different back then, mm-hmm. wasn't it? For two people out of the three not getting along very well or having this kind of rivalry between them, that's uh, working pretty good together. I'm impressed. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing about it is, too, since they, they broke up, they've released four live albums and ten <laughs> compilation albums. I love it. It kind of yeah. reminds me of Jimi Hendrix, you know. He only released four albums, but there's been many a live album and compilation album and, you know, <laughs> studio outtakes and things like that released yeah. since he's been gone. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, describe Cream as, you know, either straight rock or blues rock or even hard rock. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they have elements of each. Yeah, in the band, and I, I think it's kind of hard to categorize them. And they they show that in different ways throughout the the albums. You see, you see the blues rock, you see the psychedelic rock, you see the hard rock. Yeah, and I think that was kind of a you know a sign of the times in a way, as everybody was trying to find their way. And because you got to realize, back in '67 when this was released, this kind of sound was kind of new in some ways you know you had a lot of guys infusing the blues and things but trying to make it a heavier rock and it i I think it was just a time of creative passion you know that turned into a lot of different things so Mm -hmm. you know cream has they've sold over 15 million albums worldwide which isn't too shabby for having four albums released in three years Mm -hmm. um their first album fresh cream it hit number six in the uk which was pretty decent, but only did only hit number thirty nine in the U.S. Disraeli Gears, the album we're reviewing tonight, hit number five in the U.K. and number four in the U.S. It was really their breakthrough wow. album here in the U.S. Wheels of Fire, number three in the U.K. and hit number one in the U.S. That was their only number one album in the U.S. Huh. Uh, Goodbye, their final album, which they actually made after they announced their breakup in mm-hmm. nineteen sixty eight. They decided to go back in and make the final album. It reached number one in the UK and number two in the US. So it's a pretty good showing. Three of the four albums were in the top four in the US, and all four albums were in the top 10 in the UK. So that's it's a pretty decent showing for a group. Like I said, they broke up in 1968, and of course it was mainly due to tensions between Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess... It's good that it lasted as long as it did, right? Yeah, and I'm really glad that they had that one. La- it's like when you know you have a, a relationship breakup, you have that one final bang <laughs> yeah. to go out on. You know, these guys they did not get along, but boy, they could play good together. Certainly. Mm-hmm. So that this band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fairly early in 1993, deservedly so. Even though I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is kind of a joke when it comes to the bands and yeah, the artists they choose and the ones they don't, you know, it's yeah, just it, kind of crazy. It seems kind of arbitrary. It really is. It's kind of, you know, we give all these Rolling Stones facts, mm-hmm. Rolling Stone magazine, not yeah. the band, facts of where this album hit and where this single hits. And I want people to know that I look at that, as you said, as an arbitrary number mm-hmm. as well, because Rolling Stone is pretty much a joke as well. Yeah. I mean, you look, they just released their not too long ago, their top however many songs, and you have Beyonce songs in the top 20 and things mm-hmm. like that, and it's it's just kind of a joke, yeah. in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But but there is some validity to it, especially some of their older lists, and so we use it for useless facts or mm-hmm. useful facts or however you want to see I, it. I wonder if Gangnam Style is in the top 20. I hope not. It shouldn't be anymore if it mm-hmm. ever was. No, it shouldn't be. <laughs> 
So obviously, you know, with Cream breaking up in 1968 and then them being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 93, they did have a short reunion of the original band members in 2005. Uh, they performed uh, four shows at the Royal Albert Hall in uh, London and then three shows at uh, Madison Square Garden. And the band did kind of uh, live on in a certain way. You know, Eric mm-hmm. Clapton and Ginger Baker went on to f- uh, form the band Blind Faith with Steve Winwood mm-hmm. and Rick Gretsch. And obviously they didn't have Jack Bruce, you know, in that yeah. because apparently Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce. They're bad blood. Yeah, they did not work <laughs> well with each other, apparently. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's an amusing little fact to me. <laughs> yeah. The album we're reviewing tonight is Cream's second studio album, Disraeli Gear, so it's time to get to the album. And now it's time for the album review. Okay, so it was Cream's second album they released, released on November 2nd of 1967. And uh, like I stated earlier, it reached number five in the UK and number four in the US. Uh, It actually reached number one in a lot of small countries, or small population Mm. countries, I should Ah. say, Australia, Sweden, Finland, and a few others. As well. I, I'm just blown away that, like, usually with the other albums that we've seen, uh-huh. there's a big disparity between the UK and the US charting. But number five, number four, that's like neck and neck. Well, you see that. Yeah, it is. But you see that on their first album, uh, Fresh mm-hmm. Cream, you know, hit six in the UK and only 39 in the US. So, yeah. But that's usually what we're seeing, especially for debut or sophomore albums. It yeah. seems like it. You know, if they're a British band, it does take them a while to really hit it in the U.S., mm-hmm. but it's amazing that some of the songs, you know, we've even seen that with singles, haven't we? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Like, the single will be a smash in England, and it'll hit, like, mm-hmm. number 80 in the charts in the U.S., or vice yeah. versa. Yeah, exactly. So to see these guys, it seems like they really had a sound for the time, and they had a good grip on that sound and how to create what people wanted to listen to. Yeah, well, and I think what helped them, you know, and also the fact, you know, how we spoke about them being the first super group, essentially, mm-hmm. I think that definitely helped them. You know, people yeah. knew who Eric Clapton was, most especially. Yeah, for sure. You know, being in the Yardbirds and things like that. This album was recorded in uh, New York City at Atlantic Studios, which is kind of s- strange for a British band, but the album only took four days to record. Pretty quick. I mean, nowadays you're working longer than that on one line in a song, you know? I wonder how much of this is um, like Eric Clapton having to be the mediator between these two, or is Ginger and Jack sitting there like, all right, we hate each other's guts, let's get this done (laughs) so we don't have to spend any more time with each other than we have to. I think it's a little of both, honestly. Yeah. Because... You know, from what I've read, you know, Ginger was very, very surprised that Eric suggested Jack Bruce, but, you know, mm-hmm. he really wanted to be in this group and he really wanted to put it together. And so he was willing to put his feelings yeah. aside to work with him on this. So, mm-hmm. but apparently it didn't last very long. Even yeah. the money and success didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't enough to make it go on. But uh, a guy named Felix Papalardi was the guy that produced this album. He's got kind of an interesting story because he, he's produced a lot of bands, mm-hmm. like the Young Bloods, Mountain, a famous band that sang Mississippi oh. Queen, and a few, you know, and a bunch of other smaller mm-hmm. bands. But he ended up playing bass and singing co you know, co vocals in the band Mountain. So not only did he produce them, he was a member of the band. And as we go through these songs, you'll notice he actually helped write quite a few of these songs as well. Oh. So kind of kind of interesting. 
And you've got an Australian artist named Martin Sharp. He created the artwork for the album. And when you look at the album, I mean, it's, as you've seen, it's a complete psychedelic collage of an yeah. album, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's got the title in the middle, and it's barely visible in kind of a psychedelic font. And the band name, you know, Cream, obviously, is in a much larger font down towards the bottom. And it's quite, it is quite a bit larger than mm -hmm. the actual album name. And then you got the three band members that are pictured at the top. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a quintessential psychedelic mm -hmm. era band what, what, yeah, was this like the first album of that uh, style? Because it seems like this has been imitated. No, I don't. I don't think this was. I think you had the Zombies and a bunch of other band okay. albums that had come out that that were really similar. And yeah. I mean, of course, this is in November of '67. You had Sgt. Pepper's had come yeah. out that summer, which was kind of a different album cover, mm -hmm. you know, with all the people lined up on it. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting and a classic album cover. All together. Mm -hmm. I think anybody that's ever seen it knows what we're talking about there. So the album Disraeli Gears has sold over one million copies worldwide, which mm -hmm. isn't too bad. It's got a lot of sh short songs on this album. And the one thing it doesn't contain is the band's well known mm -hmm. for playing improvised, really long jam sessions live, <laughs> right? I mean, they're really well known for that. And you see, you know, a lot of the live albums that have come out and the DVDs you can watch of them, you see a lot of those, you know, they get deep into those blues rockers mm -hmm. and stuff and just improvise it all to hell and play yeah. play it out. But this album doesn't really have any of that. It's 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 a short album. It's probably the shortest album we've reviewed. It, um, it's amazing how much of that uh, gets cut down when you're not do, going off on just uh, this, uh, you know, Im improvisation. Yeah, but I, I enjoy that, you know, I enjoy yeah. the jamming and, you know, I mean, you've got artists like this. I mean, I think Ginger Baker is more than an adequate drummer. Jack Bruce is a highly, highly underrated bass player. He's yeah. an amazing bass player. And Eric Clapton, we know what he, mm -hmm. he can do on guitar. He certainly know Jimi Hendrix. And I'm, I'm going to state, state this right up front. I'm not a huge Eric Clapton fan. I'm just not a huge fan of his work. That's do, okay. We'll forgive you. I appreciate that. I do like <laughs> I do like some of the songs he was involved in with John Mayle. I like mm -hmm. some of the songs he's involved with with uh, the Yardbirds. Obviously, you know, a few with Derek and the Dominoes, and mm -hmm. obviously Cream. He's got some really good songs. But it seems like you know when we talk about Baker and Bruce having the problems, sometimes it seems like the ego of Eric Clapton may have been the leading factor to a lot of these groups not lasting long because they, mm -hmm. whenever he was involved, they didn't seem to last very long, <laughs> but he's the, uh, he's the cooler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It must be. As soon as uh, people are feeling hot, he joins the band and they break up two years later. So Disraeli gears, it was the album itself was inducted into the Grammy hall of fame in 1999, which, mm -hmm. you know, that's an honor and yeah. there's not a lot of, uh, band's albums that make it that far speaking of rolling stone magazine they did rate this as number 112 on their 500 greatest albums of all time and i'd say that's pretty pretty fair well we'll see where it fits in yeah uh we obviously are reviewing the original album but they mm -hmm. did release a deluxe version in 1998 that has you know obviously some outtakes and some different versions of songs and it's remastered and remixed there's probably some improvisation in there too there might be a little okay. bit <laughs> but it's time to get to the album review so side 1 side 1 and we start out with strange brew strange brew this had some sexy music yes it did so mm -hmm. let me give you a little history on this song okay. first it was written by clapton 
Felix Papillardi and Gail Collins, which I'm not sure who Gail Collins is. This is one of the songs that Eric Clapton sings lead, lead vocals mm-hmm. on. This is one of the songs that Eric Clapton sings lead vocals on. This song was released as a single in the UK, and it charted at number 17, which, which isn't too bad, you know. Mm-hmm. The B-side of the single was Tale of Brave Ulysses. Getting to this song, what did that's you a, think of it? That's a really interesting single inside B. You know, I'm just I'm I'm shocked to to learn that a little bit because, uh, well, especially having listened to these songs now, this is a really interesting witchy song. It's really cool, and the guitar bending in this is is that the whammy bar or is that uh, the? It the, sounds almost like a wah pedal or some kind of effect yeah. pedal, but. It's also, I don't know if it's the guitar you're hearing at the mm-hmm. first or throughout the song, but it sounds like there's almost a horn in this yeah. or something. I, this is a really tough song for me because mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe this song. It doesn't fit into rock. It doesn't really fit into blues. It's almost folksy the way they, he's singing about this uh, this witch is what. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got a, a decent guitar solo in the middle, but it, in the middle of the song, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a mellow, yeah. you know, slower guitar solo. And then it's got that little silence break towards the end and then, you know, kind of a false ending and it kicks yeah. back in. But this song, I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I don't really, whatever that horn sound is, if it's mm-hmm. if it's created by a guitar or whatnot, I don't, I think it could have done without that. You know, I've, I've listened to this song for years. I know the song and I, I enjoy the song. Mm-hmm. It's a decent song, but it's yeah. when you sit here, when you sit down to review this thing and you're trying to describe, is this a rock song or a blues song <laughs> or heavy song? It's, it's really yeah. none of them. I think you hit it right. It's probably almost like a heavy blues folk song. Yeah. Um, th- this is a very blues oriented album, but that song that it starts off with, you wouldn't say, oh, this is blues. Yeah, it's kind of strange. And I, I think the the it, vocals by Clapton are kind of weak in this. I don't think he'd really found his place as a vocalist yet. No, he's, uh, I don't know. There's something about his style of singing that's not, he's got a very similar sound with, uh, with Jack. Uh, Jack Bruce. Yeah, Jack Bruce. Jack Bruce just seems to have a bit more refinement in his sound. Yeah. And I've always had a hard time, you know, for the longest time, you know, knowing Clapton is kind mm. of the most famous member of cream. I, yeah. I thought for years and years that Clapton sang all the songs, you know, I until Cause they do sound very similar. They, they sound style. similar, but, but you're right. Eric yeah. Clapton's vocals aren't as refined. He doesn't have as much range on mm-hmm. them. <laughs> like I said, Jack Bruce is a very underrated singer. And most people, and I'm sure you're included, I've never heard of Jack Bruce. I hadn't. This is my yeah. first uh, introduction to him, sure. And he's he's done a number of solo albums. He toured with Ringo Starr and his all-star band for mm-hmm. quite a while. He's an amazing bass player and a, a very competent singer. I mean, more than competent. I don't think that's giving him yeah. you know, credit. I, this song, for me, kind of falls in the middle on this album. It's kind of mm-hmm. a... It's kind of a lost song as far as being able to describe what it's about, but I have to completely agree with you there uh, because this song isn't the star of the album. It's a good, strong opener. This uh, song is a better fit for opening the album than the song that they chose to close the album out. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, we'll and we'll definitely get into that. Yeah. And I 100% agree with you. It's, mm-hmm. And this song still gets quite a bit of radio play to this day. P- people know this song. I mean, you might know, not know it as Strange Brew, 
but you've heard this song. Yeah, it's very it, it, Yeah, if yeah, you listen to any kind of classic rock stations mm-hmm. or whatever it gets played. You know, I, I rate this song pretty much in the middle on this album. Me too. You know, but, yeah. it, but it is kind of strange. So we move on to song two, uh, mm-hmm. most likely the most well-known song, Sunshine of Your Love. This one, given a little facts about this, it was written by Jack Bruce and Eric Clapton together. Jack Bruce is the lead vocals on this. Now, this was their second single released, and it only reached number 25 in the UK, but it did reach number five in the US, which is actually Cream's highest ranked single in the US. And I find that kind of strange that mm-hmm. this this hit number 25 on the chart in the UK, yeah. yet Strange Brew hit number 17. That, that's kind of strange to me. This song is a very powerful song, and this is the quintessential Cream sound and song. The B-side of the single was S-W-L-A-B-R, which we'll get to what that stands for when we get to it later. Uh, Jack Bruce came up with the riff after hearing Jimi Hendrix play. He went to see Jimi Hendrix and he thought, we need to have some riffs like that. And he come up with it on the spot. Sounds just like Jimi. This has a very, this song is very heavily influenced by uh, the experience. Yeah. I mean, this has got the most well-known riff mm-hmm. out of any Cream song in my my opinion, you know, this song yeah. was certified gold in 1968 after the single sold over a million copies. Uh, Rolling Stone ranks this number 65 on their greatest songs of all time. And I, like I said, I think this is Cream's mm-hmm. most well-known song yeah. and it probably gets the most radio play, either this or White Room, you know, but the thing is, is uh, this song's all over cinema and television. It's, it's in the background of so many movies and TV shows. Yeah, and this is one, even though it does get a lot of radio play, I don't get tired of this song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm without a doubt, and I know we'll get this get to this at the end, but this falls to the top of my yeah. list on this album. Yeah, they they don't uh, they don't play it to death, and this is one of my favorites from the album. Well, so this has got an epic intro on it. You know, it's it's one of the first guitar intros I actually learned on electric guitar. I still play it every once in a while, you yeah. know. It's kind of a, you know, love song, basically, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's got the heavy guitar throughout. I love how heavy the guitar is. I love how heavy the guitar is in the chorus. It's got an excellent guitar solo, and the ending is really heavy Mm -hmm. and good the way it ends. There's not much I don't like about this song. I even like the lyrics, you know. Give me my Don surprise. My Don surprise. What do you think that is? What's he giving her in the morning? (laughs) (laughs) must be something like that i guess so but this is a excellent song i rank this one very high and we'll get to that at the end but what what are your thoughts on this song musically and lyrically this song is a it's a work of art it's beautiful and you know it's got that it's i think you're absolutely right this is the quintessential cream song yeah i think this you know epitomizes that yeah. power trio sound that mm-hmm. that super group sound i mean this song hits everything yeah. you know the first album fresh cream was quite a bit different this album has some heavier mm-hmm. licks uh, a lot of people consider this album heavy or consider cream heavy i don't really i i think cream's got heavy mm-hmm. offerings but then they've got a lot that are blues and they've got a lot of mm-hmm. kind of strange songs too that fit into some kind of different category. I just don't know where. He's been waiting so long. Excellent song. Mm-hmm. So we move on to the next song, uh, song three, World of Pain. And one thing I can say about this song, there's a tree outside his window. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's definitely, he tells you several times that there is a tree outside his window. 
So this song wasn't written by anyone in the group. It was written by Felix Papillardi and Gail Collins. The vocals are by Jack Bruce with some supporting vocals from Clapton. The song deals with a lot of emotions of solitude and loneliness. Oh, oh this is a very emo song before oh, it, emo became a thing. <laughs> it is. I mean, you, you've got that solitude and loneliness mm-hmm. that's felt in your world of pain, right? Yeah. And this is, it's got that blues influence, but this isn't a, it doesn't sound like the blues, even though. This song is exactly what the blues is. <laughs> well, it's got it's got some pretty cool guitar effects yeah. in it. I feel like this song should be a lighter, like not as mm-hmm. heavy of a song as it yeah. is, but it's almost like a heavy ballad in a way. Oh yeah, it's got a kind of got that element of heaviness mm-hmm. to it. Now, the one thing I do like in this are the vocal harmonies. I believe they're harmonies between clap. Clapton and Jack Bruce. If mm-hmm. not, the the vocals might be double dubbed over or something like that. But but I think you're right. It sounds uh, like they're duetting. Sometimes. Yeah, and I don't know. I think Bruce and Clapton mm-hmm. together have some of the most recognizable and yeah. best sounding harmonies that I've heard. And you know, it's just kind of a I don't know how to explain this song. It just feels like it should be a light ballad, but it's heavier than it should yeah. be uh, because it's got this real heavy theme. The, of kind of this uh, depression of sitting there and pondering mortality and existence and what's like the whole purpose of of living when there's such a world of pain that we yeah live and this in. tree outside his windows really pissing him off too yeah because it, it, just because it exists because it's there yeah I I don't get that part I I do get, mm-hmm. getting back into the music you know the wailing guitar right yeah. at the end is excellent. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a weird put together song, but it's a it's an okay song, you know. For mm-hmm. me, it fits somewhere in mid album, you know. I mean, it's <laughs> one, not, once again we're in agreement. Yeah, this yeah. wasn't on my top or bottom. Yeah, and that's kind of where I find this one a, a decent song, you know. Probably not a skipper, not one I'm gonna, you know, repeat play all the time on my playlist. And it's definitely not overplayed on the radios. No, I don't think I've ever heard this song on the radio. No. <laughs> so we move to the next song. Dance yeah. the Night Away. This song was written by Jack Bruce and Peter Brown. It's sang mm-hmm. by Jack Bruce, and it's about, you know, escaping from a failed relationship. As far as I'm concerned with the music on this, it's got a really good bass line. This is the first, well, I should say, Sunshine of Your Love had an mm-hmm. excellent bass line, excellent guitar yeah. work, everything. But this is the first song for me on the album that the bass line really sticks out. The drumming is excellent in it, but it almost sticks out too much. Yeah. The drumming's kind of crazy, almost moon crazy. It's a very psychedelic song. Yeah, but the drumming doesn't seem to fit with it as much. No, uh, the the drumming is not weird as the rest of the song makes you feel. Yeah, and you know, I try to put myself back into the shoes of 1967 and hearing mm-hmm. these. This is another song, kind of like World of Pain, the song we heard right before this, mm-hmm. that feels like the song should be lighter than it is but it's the backing music to it's a little heavier than it should be maybe that's a bad way to put it not than it should be but then what it feels like it could be uh the guitar's not very prominent in this one but it's good you know you don't have the guitar up front mm-hmm. there's definitely you're getting a heavier bass line and the crazy drums which I, to me that's the only thing about this song that's out of place is the drumming's good but it doesn't seem to quite fit no, there's something about this song uh, with that theme of escaping from a failed relationship 
where it seems like maybe they play the the drums and the the bass a bit heavier uh as a way to drown out the the sorrow to drown out those feelings it's got some some really good uh some good uh writing in it jack bruce uh i can tell you that stars are very important to him he mentions stars a couple of times in this. Well, I'm pretty sure... Building his castle in the clouds. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure Peter Brown wrote the lyrics to this and Jack Bruce wrote the music, oh. but I could be wrong on that. Well, but. then Peter Brown. Uh, stars are very important to Peter Brown. You know, musically, I really, really like the bass on this. Mm-hmm. I just wish they would have done something with the drums and brought the yeah. guitar up front a little mm-hmm. more. But once again, it feels like it should be a softer ballad than it is, but it's got that heavy undertone. Yeah. And the only thing that I can imagine that they made the the instruments so heavy on this is that theme of trying to drown out the sorrow of the failed relationship. Yeah, it could be. That's the only thing that I can justify it with. Uh, but other than that, you're absolutely right. So this song for me falls in that, once again, that category kind of mid-range. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's mid-range. It's yeah. definitely not the worst song on the album. We all know which one that one is. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> But it's not the best by any means. But yeah. it's a decent song, you know, a mm-hmm. good listen. So we go to the last song on side one. Yeah. I don't like this song at all. Oh, really? Uh, and no. this is one of my favorites. <laughs> and I knew we were going to get to that. I, I yeah. knew it. So Blue Condition. This was written mm-hmm. by Ginger Baker, and the vocals are also by Ginger Baker. Yeah. You know, a baritone. Yeah. Without a doubt. He's uh, He's got a much deeper voice than either Jack or Eric. Well, and he's singing about being depressed and having the blues in this, obviously, yeah. because he's in a blue condition, right? To me, this song feels like some kind of show tune. I don't like the bass on it. I don't like the guitar on it. And Ginger Baker, he isn't a horrible singer by any means, mm-hmm. but there's a reason he's not the lead singer. And it, it's kind of a monotone singing, and, yeah. and there's portions of the song that kind of remind me of a carnival or something. Uh, I, he's a little bit cockney, too. Like he's got that kind of uh, Jason Statham sounding East East Ender. You can certainly London. hear you. Yeah, yeah, you can certainly hear. He's got that uh, rough a uh, dialect. Yeah, his in dialect. His voice. Of the yeah, you you can certainly hear it. Where you don't hear it when you Bruce or Clapton yeah. sing, you don't hear that, and you certainly hear it on this. And I yeah. Ginger Baker's definitely not a lead mm-hmm. singer. I'm not a fan of this song. I'm not a fan of the song's music, and I'm not a. I'm certainly not a fan of the vocals. You obviously yeah. are, so tell me what your thoughts are. Well, I, what I liked about this and why this was one of my favorite songs is because how well it captured depression. Uh, so you're deciphering the lyrics. Yeah, the the lyrics, and it's just really portraying that when you're depressed, everything sucks. In fact, I wrote that twice on here. Being depressed makes everything seem like it sucks, and then... Being depressed sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I'm not really deciphering the lyrics as much as I just don't like the music to this, and I don't uh-huh. like the vocals. And yeah, and it give me. It, I don't think you like being depressed. Well, that could be it. Yeah. It this made me <laughs> depressed. Yeah, yeah. It, to me, the very first of the song sounded like a show tune, and then it kind of kicked into feeling carnival like, and it just was a strange arrangement all the way around. Yeah, the, you, you're right about that carnival like part. It was. It didn't fit. Yeah, I, I guess for me, you know, when I listen to certain bands, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, I've talked about them before, Grand Funk Railroad, 10 yeah. years after, you know, jam bands, mm-hmm. Cream, who's supposed to be the heavy power trio, you know, yeah. heavy rock. 
this does not define cream to me. And I, no. and I know, you know, you can talk about that with a lot of bands. The Beatles are a good, good example. They didn't hardly make any songs that sounded like the others. So mm-hmm. you've got to have that diversity, but this but, song just didn't do it for the, me. Yeah. This wasn't the masterpiece of the band. No, but this song is definitely going to fall to the bottom mm-hmm. somewhere for me. So, and I know for you, it's going to rise a little higher. Yeah. It was, well, for me, it was really just about how well they painted the picture. Well, and sometimes that's all it's about. Oh, well done, Ginger Baker. You, uh, you captured depression. So we move on to side two. Side two. We open up with Tale of Brave Ulysses. So to give a little history on this song, this song was written by Eric Clapton and Martin Sharp. The vocals are by Jack Bruce on this. This was actually, as we talked about earlier, the B-side to Strange Brew. And one interesting thing about this, and one of the things I like best about it, it's one of the earliest known uses of the wah-wah pedal for the guitar on recorded music. I love the vocals that open this song. The guitar is great through the whole thing. The bass line is excellent. Once again, it proves how underrated Jack Bruce is as a bass player. And and I don't think he's... I think he's underrated as far as contemporary culture, right? I think anybody that knows music and knows this kind of music knows, you know, Jack Bruce is mm-hmm. a heavy hitter when it comes to playing yeah. bass. They know he has excellent vocals as well. This song, according to Eric Clapton, was inspired by his trips to the Greek islands. You know, somehow he got the Brave Ulysses thing out of that. It's got excellent short guitar solo in it. I like this song all the way through musically. I like the lyrics in it. The vocals are very, very strong. This is definitely one of my top songs. What are your thoughts on it? I have one note written on this song, and that's Sirens Are Dangerous. Now, what do you mean by that? Sings about the the song of the siren uh hurts the his naked ear or something like that see here you go again deciphering the lyrics yeah i'm deciphering the lyrics it's funny i decipher you know the bass line and the guitar line and you decipher the lyrics yeah and i guess i'm really not qualified to be doing a review on this who is I mean, you I'm are? certainly yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly you're, not qualified. You're listening to the to the instruments and how well they mesh together, and I'm just like, oh, it's got a nice tune. If only the lyrics were better. <laughs> but but isn't that what's great about music? Is mm-hmm. you take the music for what it is. You decipher the meaning to you and how it makes you feel, and that mm-hmm. can be the lyrics, that can be the yeah. bass, that can be the drums, and be guitar. It can be the whole package put together, right? Mm-hmm. I. I was so uninspired by a song that was inspired by the Greek islands. All I did was write one little note that sirens are dangerous. Well, that's interesting. And that's why it drops to one of my least favorite. It'll be interesting when we get winners and losers because Mm -hmm. it sounds like we're going to be pretty far off on this I think we are. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Okay, so now we get to S-W-L-A-B-R, uh, which actually stands for She Was Like a Bearded Rainbow. And that's uh, <laughs> that's what the theme of this, uh, the lyrics in this song are. <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt. So the music yeah. on this was written by Jack Bruce, and the lyrics, again, written by mm-hmm. Peter Brown. Vocals by Jack Bruce. Now, this was the B-side to Sunshine of Your Love. As far as my take on this song, it's got... Really good bass lines and heavy guitar throughout. I really like the guitar on this song. This song is pretty strong. It's got an excellent guitar solo. I I like the imagery and the lyrics on this, and I did really 
you know, try to dive into the lyrics, you know. Oh, I, I like the lyrics on this one. Yeah, <laughs> but course. the picture has a mustache, but the rainbow has a beard. You yeah, know, I mean, it, it, it's got some interesting lyrics. It's, uh, it's trying to paint a picture of a girl, and, you know, this, this girl is a beautiful thing to look at. Uh, she's a beautiful girl. But she's she's got a beard. <laughs> she's got a beard. She's got a mustache. Yeah, and that's where I, you know, I tried to decipher the lyrics a little bit, but uh-huh. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what he's get getting at in this. It's like you've got that girl feel. If the girl was masculine, well, you know, when you when you look at the the title of the song, yeah. she was like a bearded rainbow, and I'm yeah. taking that as that she is beautiful, but she's got this flaw, mm-hmm. you know, and I I think that. You know, maybe or, it's or, more uh, like the Seinfeld episode with man hands. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that. But anyway, do you think this is more literal or do you think it's just saying that she she's beautiful and all this, but there's something wrong with her in a way? Sure. Or do you I, think she really has a beard? I mean, I, I doubt it's literal and that she has it. Well, uh, but then again. This is a very psychedelic song. In fact, one of the notes that I wrote here is these guys play for people who like LSD. Well, and that yeah. could be, I, I'll tell you this much. I, I Musically, mm-hmm. I really enjoy this song. Yeah. The lyrics are kind of humorous when you're singing about bearded rainbows. It's a fun ride, but yeah. <laughs> pictures that have mustaches, but this is yeah. a really good song, mm-hmm. you know, musically. I think it stands up as it does. a decent uh, song. For th- the this album. is one of my favorites on the album, yeah. for sure. Mine as well. So we go on to the next song, We're Going Wrong, written by Jack Bruce, uh, vocals by Jack Bruce. It's got a lot of Mm -hmm. psychedelic guitar on this one from Clapton. It's kind of played in a weird time signature, unlike their others. It's in a 6-8 time signature, which gives it a really weird, kind of irregular sound. It's kind of different. And Eric Clapton has this regular strum on the guitar. That just he keeps coming, but it's not it's not uh, like a ticking of a clock every second, but it's like ticking every two seconds or so. But it's so regular. His timing's perfect on it, and it just gives you that sense of like a, a clock ticking. Yeah, but th- this it's one ticking was slowly. Yeah, and this this song was a little subdued. This one's got good drumming on it as well. Mm-hmm. This is another song where I don't feel like the drumming fit into it at all. I thought the drums were really strange on it. Yeah. The vocals were kind of strange. It's kind of in a falsetto, but the vocals are yeah. really drawn out. I yeah. mean, if you look at the lyrics on this song, there's really only a couple verses and it draws them out over the whole song, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, oh, let's see, what was the other song that he, he had that same, it was that, uh, wor- the world of pain. Yeah. Where, yeah. where, where he kind of had that stretched out thing. Yeah. This one, he really stretches him really out and he's singing in the falsetto, which I, this is one I mm-hmm. don't like Jack Bruce's singing on very mm-hmm. well. Uh, it's yeah. got a slow bass line. It's, it's okay. It's got some decent guitar licks in it, but the guitar in this song again is not very prominent. You know, going to cream, I wouldn't find yeah. myself saying that all the time. You would think, full bore ahead, you know, with heaviness. And I, I think Cream, in my opinion, listening to a lot of their live albums, they're a better live band than they are a studio band. This but, uh, this song had a very eerie opening, and it kind of maintained that feel. Like, it's an unsettling feeling. And I'm sure that people that had dropped acid before listening to this song fell out of their chairs. You're really into acid. Really, well, this is a very psychedelic band, very, you know, drug-themed. So. Yeah, and I... I honestly People can't. People were tripping right out of their chairs. Yeah, and I honestly don't know how involved 
in drugs cream was but well and this is coming from me who's never done drugs in my life well, <laughs> I, I have a hard time taking an aspirin just yeah. ask my wife so not not a bad song but it is certainly not going to fall in the top for me yeah this one's uh down there to some of my least favorites maybe i didn't get it but it was unsettling yeah, and, for, I, and i didn't enjoy that for feeling. me the weird time signature on it mm-hmm. and not having guitar bass really pumped to the yeah. front the the drums being just way too crazy for this song, and then the vocals being stretched out in that weird falsetto. There wasn't much I like about this song. What I do like about the lyrics is, you know, I'm I'm curious about what Jack Bruce was thinking about when he wrote this. Like, what is this a like? We're going wrong. What what is it that's going wrong? Is it a relationship that's going wrong? Is it a bigger, more political thing, like, you know, go, getting involved in Vietnam. Is that we're going wrong? It could be a little bit about everything, right? Just sure. the world in general. Yeah. It's hard to so, say. So maybe it's about him and Ginger Baker. Is there a way to make it right? And, you know, th- that's a possible thing, too, is, you know, a relationship of some sort, not necessarily a romantic one, but a professional one. I don't know. Have, you. You, you've you've met people where all of a sudden you start to get this vibe that like I'm not gonna like you, am I? <laughs> well, that's how all my best friends turned out to be. I oh, didn't is it? like them very much at first, I, and, I, and I'm honest with that. Is probably the best friends I've ever had in my life. When I first met them, I didn't care for them much. So I'm a horrible judge of character. <laughs> Either that, or I I do enjoy horrible people. I don't. It's one of the yeah. two. I don't know. But it, this is kind of the opposite of that. This is yeah. like when when you get together with someone and you've got a positive attitude, we're going to get along great. And then you start to get this vibe that, wow, you really just castigated that waitress for nothing. Can't get along, are we? So the next song is Outside Woman Blues. It's a cover song that was originally recorded by Blind Joe Reynolds. He's a blues artist in 1929. Pretty old song. Oh, you know, yeah. it's funny. You think of that as being an old song. It wasn't even 40 years old when they recorded and. And now we're reviewing a cream song that's it's older than 60 that. years. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of strange. <laughs> but Eric Clapton is lead vocals on this. And kind of a funny thing about this song is Clapton also released this later as a, you know, on one of his solo albums. So oh. getting into that, I don't know why he did because I, this is pretty much a straight blues rock song. Yeah. I don't think the vocals are very strong on it. Once again, from Clapton, I just don't think he mm-hmm. had found himself. But once again, I'm not a Clapton fan. Yeah, huge Clapton fan, so take it for what it is. I have to agree with you there. He's just not a great vocalist. He gets better, you know, in later yeah. years. You know, Derek and the Dominoes. He he was stronger when it come to that. I mean, he had a little more experience as far, mm-hmm. far as singing, but it's got kind of a the same guitar lick throughout. It's got an okay guitar solo, which I think was probably the for me the shining part of the song. But overall, you know, it's just kind of a blues cover that is okay, but forgettable as far as I'm concerned. What, yeah. what are your thoughts? I think they did a good job main, or staying true to the blues roots because this very much is a blues song. Talking about an outside woman, which I guess is a, a piece that you got on the side. Yeah, the whole theme of this is you, you can't have a wife and a side piece because sooner or later... The wife's going to find out about it, and then she's going to be upset, and you won't have a wife anymore. Some really good uh, lyric writing in that. Like, if you lose your woman, please don't fool with mine. Yeah, it, to me, it's an okay song, but it... it yeah, just... and, and I think they did a good job with the blues, but it's not a... It's not a, What? This isn't Cream. 
you know? yeah it's a filler yeah. song that's that's okay mm-hmm. but forgettable yeah. so that that brings us to the next song take it back this uh the music was written by Jack Bruce on this, and the mm-hmm. lyrics, once again, written by Peter Brown. Vocals by Jack Bruce. You know, this song is about the desire to stay home from war, you know, basically urging the government to take mm-hmm. your draft card back. You know, and the kind of interesting thing about this song is Outside Woman Blues actually fade to right into this song. It really uh, fits in nicely. Yeah. yeah, if you're not paying attention, they you don't know the song ended, you know. This is a very bluesy song, so yeah, one blends into the other very well. This is kind of a standard blues rock song, but it's mm-hmm. sped up quite a bit. And once again, Jack Bruce's vocals on this are very strong. And it's yeah. and I wrote this down once again that I prefer Jack Bruce's vocals <laughs> to Clapton's on this. You know, on any song, I, I jotted down the same note. Really, <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah he, he's he's just he's much stronger singer. He mm-hmm. just is. Yeah, this is pretty decent as a blues jam song. You know, I think it'd be really good stretched way out. I believe I've heard this one in concert a couple mm-hmm. times, and it's about three yeah. times as long, and they improvise it out. And to me, it's much better done that way. But it, it's, you know, once again, an mm-hmm. okay song, yeah. you know, but not not super strong. What are your thoughts on it? I have to agree. This isn't their strongest, but, you know, I think that the blues is a, is a great uh, way to approach your – what he's uh, writing about or singing about is uh, the Vietnam War. Like, yeah, I got drafted. I got my draft card, and that's going to upset my lifestyle. It's going to upset my hairstyle. And he's, you know, just posing the question of, hey, maybe rather than upset all these plans that these young men have made, all their lifestyles, hairstyles, etc., and their private lives. Why don't you just resend the draft and take back all the draft cards instead of having people run into Canada and burning their draft cards? Yeah, it seems like an easy fix, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and that's. But then again, that's the blues: is that you can't fight the government. You can't. Yeah, yeah the government's not going to bend to your will. So, so no case yeah. song, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. So yeah. that I don't even know if we ought to do this last song. But <laughs> this last song so funny. <laughs> last song on the album, Mother's uh, Lament. It's, it's very much from the British people. <laughs> well, it is. It, it's actually yeah. a traditional song. It's an older song, okay. but the arrangement and lyrics were redone mm-hmm. by Clapton Baker and Jack Bruce. All three members sing on this. It's the yeah. shortest song on the album, not yeah, it, even quite it, two minutes long. It it it, it sings a lot like you know something that, that you'd hear kids singing around the schoolyard sort of thing, uh, like an irreverent fairy tale or or uh, nursery rhyme sort of song. Well, and I wrote on the notes that it sounds like the band's drunk and just having a good time in the studio trying yeah. to find a filler song for it. They basically have too thin of a baby, and it gets washed down the drain and goes to yeah. heaven. And the lyrics are kind of weird. It was a weird way to end the album, for sure. Yeah, and to me, this is a skipper on the album. This is one that doesn't need to be on the album. It's not yeah. long enough that it fills anything, and, and definitely not the way to end your album. What were they? No, thinking? yeah, not not a good way at all. Not a good yeah. song. I would probably, you know, when we get to winners and losers, as we're going to go yeah. to right now, I would probably rate this song as my worst. But I'm not sure it's a song. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, this is more like something that you'd hear kids. Uh, uh, singing while they're doing jump rope out on a schoolyard. Yeah, so go to let's let's go to winners and losers. Winners and losers. What are your top two favorite songs and your bottom two 
least favorite songs on this album. Top two, I'm going with Sunshine of Your Love, and that one's going to be my top. Also, I'm going to go with the uh, SWLABR, that she was like a bearded rainbow. I really like that song. It was a fun song. So yeah, Well, and you always enjoy fun songs. You know? I do. I, I really get a kick out of fun songs. Least favorite, the Tales of Brave Ulysses. Sorry, Mr. Clapton, you just kind of lost me. I, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't get it, what you were trying to tell me. Also, I, I put the We're Going Wrong as least favorite, just because it was so unsettling. It, it, it made me feel like I was going. So where does Mother's Lament fit into that? Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's on the album too, isn't it? You're that? just not even going to consider that a song, are you? <laughs> No, I'm not. You're not not even going to consider that a song, are you? I'm not going to dignify that, (laughs) whatever it was. (laughs) What about you? So my favorite song on the album were online is Sunshine of Your Love, without a doubt. Yeah. So we're we're both right on with that Mm -hmm. and the same, but here's where we're going to fall different. Tale of Brave Ulysses is my second favorite song oh, really? on this album. Yes. Well, you're a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you understood what Eric Clapton was trying to tell you. <laughs> well, I, I just, I like the musical quality of yeah. that song more than anything. Mm-hmm. I I think the, the vocals are strong and the heaviness of that song is what gets me. You know, I like the heavy, heavy blues versions of. You know, that, that's fair. I probably should, I, I shouldn't be listening to this album so much for what the message of the songs is, the lyric wise, because that's where it lost me. Musically, beautiful song. Well, and just like SWLABR that you mm-hmm. raked as your second favorite song, yeah. that's probably my third favorite song musically. The lyrics kind of throw yeah. me off a little bit. It, <laughs> it's not, it's kind of weird that way, but it, it it's a very weird. strong song. Obviously, the song I like least is Mother's Lament, and mm-hmm. probably my other one would be the one that you quite liked by Ginger Baker, which is uh, Blue Condition. I. I do yeah. not like that song. Yeah, and that's fair. It's uh, it's a weird song. It the way that he sings it. I mean, I, I put that one in my top three. That's being a little extreme there, Ty. Um, <laughs> I put that one in my top five. Okay, on on this album, so it's in the top half. But I, it's not a it's not a pretty song. It's not a great song, and it's very much like an emo song. Just blues yeah, for the it, sake of blue or de- depression. I, I just don't anything. like the music in it and I don't like yeah. the vocals in it. And it's, there's just not much good about that song for yeah. me, but it was better than mother's lament slightly. Well, I'll tell you, he, he captured how bad it sucks to be depressed and have depression. <laughs> yeah, he certainly did <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. So it's time to rate the album album rating. Where do you rate this album? On a scale of one to ten, you know, it, it, for such a genius band, I mean, the 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 collection of these three power trio, I expect a bit more from them, honestly. And that being said, they deliver with a couple of these songs. They really have a couple of big hits out of this album. So I, I really want to rate it higher than I do, but I'm gonna have to give this one about a six, just because. For that shining star of the sunshine of your love, the rest of the album is this albatross hanging around the band, the album's neck, just dragging it down. All right, what about you? So I'll probably like you upset some of the Cream fans. I'm sure I did. There's 11 songs on this album, and in my opinion, only four 
are really worth hearing. And that, that sunshine of your love, tale of brave Ulysses, stands for she was like a bearded rainbow. Mm-hmm. And Strange Brew is okay. Those four songs are very strong, in yeah. my opinion. But yeah, we, we need more of that. Yeah, right? but the other seven songs are, are either okay or not okay. Yeah. You know, take them or leave them. And so for me, you know, this is Cream's most popular album of all time. Everyone ranks it high in their albums and all that. To me, what come out of it, especially like Sunshine of Your Love mm-hmm. and Tale of Brave Ulysses, in my opinion, mm-hmm. those are heavy songs and they have that Cream sound. But four out of 11 songs does not make a great album. Yeah. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, because seven of these songs really could be put yeah. on the shelf mm-hmm. and I wouldn't feel any worse for it. But because those songs are so strong, I would probably give an, the album a seven out of 10. And that's being kind of generous, in my opinion, yeah. because, you know, if you had one side with those four songs, I would probably mm-hmm. give it a nine and a half out of 10 with those four songs. But that you know what this this album makes me want to do it makes me want to go out and buy their grades their greatest hits well and that's <laughs> and that's what i started with yeah and, you know and even to go further on that what it should make you want to do is go buy their live albums because their live albums are where this group really shines even some of these songs that aren't so strong on this mm-hmm. album when you do hear them live and they're more improvised and drawn out yeah. and the instrumentation is brought forward and it's more raw that's when, to me, cream shines. Yeah. But I can't rate this album any higher than a seven, and that's mm-hmm. probably being generous for me. Sorry to all you super cream fans, mm-hmm. and I still am a cream fan, even though yeah. I'm not a huge Eric Clapton fan. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy cream, mm-hmm. but I would prefer to listen to most of their stuff live. God, that's just is. They're such a good band. I they was, are. I, I was disappointed. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but once again, I do want to go get the greatest hits version because I feel like they're going to take those. Three or if the if the rest of their albums are like this, then I'm probably going to get those three or four songs from every album. Onto yeah, and, one. and you will. And it, it, yeah. their greatest hits really is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And you pick up that and a couple of their live albums, and you've got yeah. it made, in my opinion. Yep. Fair but enough. if you disagree with us, feel free to reach out to us at classicvinylpodcast at gmail dot com, or if you like the show, let us know. Tell your friends. Reach yep. out to us on Instagram or Twitter. You know. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends.